welcome to From Caving In to Crushing It, the podcast for those who find themselves immersed in adversity and choose to write their story instead of having others write it for them. I'm Drew Duraney, and I'm your host. So, Clay, welcome, my friend. So glad you can come on the show. Sure. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. So I've been promoting this as there's more to Clay Hicks than you know what he does professionally. And I know you have a wonderful uh, uh, network in H7 franchise, franchisor you are, and you're all around 45 states, including many, many different countries. And I just know because of that information, you're amazing in definitely the business capacity. We want to learn a little bit about Clay the person. And, you know, we're all about talking with great men like yourself who've gone through stuff in life and come through stronger and how they did it. It really gives inspiration and hope to other men who are in challenging situations. So Clay, if you can just tell, just tell me a little bit about your journey um, and, and your defining moment that has got you to where you are now. Um, so thanks for having me, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Um, so my story goes back pretty far, uh, 21 years when I started my first business and my, uh, very quick rise to growth and then very fast fall. <laughs> so I tell the story on occasion, um, not very often. Um, I've been on a show, they ask me questions. It's worse when there's alcohol involved it was pretty rough back then mm -hmm. um but really my story started with my desire to to do something different with my life when i was 21 22 and then i started my first business when i was 23 and at the time i was working at a steel mill here in the dayton area called ak steel which is a pretty big organization and um i was a laborer I didn't finish college. Uh, I had uh, my first biological daughter was born, took a job, did the thing, did the thing. And uh, so I started my first business and uh, I figured out I could sell. Figured out I could sell. Didn't know I could sell. Right. But I'm one of those uh, that uh, way too often is ready, fire, aim. Uh, I, I've done it so much and said it that way so much, I forgot that it's ready, aim, fire. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's just been part of my journey. And uh, so I grew my business very quickly and uh, really was kind of addicted to making money, the love of money. Like psh, I needed to make money and a family at the time, young family at the time. And my now ex you know, it didn't work and things and all that stuff was good, but um, just had this desire to do something better with my life and make money, more money. Because, you know, at 22 years old with no college degree, $65,000 a year apparently was not good enough. <laughs> so anyway. Was that you uh, saying it wasn't good enough or other people saying it wasn't good enough? Um, I'm on this I'm in this group. I get to be totally transparent. Uh, that was my desire to please my ex's desire not to have to do much in order to have the things that she wanted. Is that her responsibility? No, nope, it was my choice. Right? right. So I'm not like skating on that. Um, yeah. 
But yeah, I felt like it was never enough. So I just kept driving and driving and driving. So I had this business and I blew it up while I worked at the mill. And uh, so my first full year in business, I made $120,000 now, right? Well, I'm like, Ooh, this is good. And we're talking back in before 2008. You're talking about earlier. About 2004. 2004. Wow. <laughs> 2004. I uh, had landed these contracts with cutting grass. I mean, I was very, I'm, I'm good with people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so I didn't even know that I could sell until that time. So I did. And, uh, you know, by the t so I basically after one full season was able to actually leave the mill. And so I left the mill and I stayed in my landscaping business and then I started a real estate business. Okay. And uh, I even went as far as got the uh, Trump university paid for it. Yeah. Paid big dividends by the way, for me it did. But uh, anyway, that's how I learned about real estate was that was where my start was. And um so that was also my demise. That was the beginning of the end. So when I had my lawn care business and then I got into real estate because I was worried about what my guys were going to do, I started pulling the trigger, right? Forcing things to happen. Okay. So I ended up in four months buying eight houses, wow. working on them, fixing them to flip them. I had a couple rentals and we had a land, my landscaping company and it still wasn't enough just wasn't enough so by the time my first full year out of the mill being an entrepreneur mm -hmm. um i made over 200 grand wow okay so that showed that i was capable but not competent okay, okay. <laughs> so, <All right. laughs> so yeah so always wanting more and pushing that envelope mm -hmm. um in the middle of 2000, well, at the beginning of 2005, six, sorry, um, I started to lose it all. And so just as fast as I made it, I lost it. Wow. And so I lost all eight houses. Um, I lost my businesses, shut them down, sold the equipment, shut everything down, had to shift gears, uh, went into sales. Um that caused a separation for my ex-wife and I. She asked me to leave and take the girls with her, with me. So I became a single parent. And uh, that was my defining moment. Wow. Absolutely. And then you really realized the responsibility that your actions actually caused. Um, what... I, that, I see that as being the clarity now. What did you do next to move to move forward and, and, and have your daughters really emulate their father? Ask that question again. Say that again. Sorry. What did you do to move forward? How did you move forward? Because uh, you, you, now you had two, your two young ladies you were going to be raising uh, who were going to watch how dad handles this. Yeah. What, how'd you do it? So, so they were seven and two. Okay. Uh, because I was in the real estate industry, I was able to get a job for a real estate investor. Okay. A job. And the moment we walked out into our apartment, um, I was working there and I had to be at work at seven and I got off at five. Okay. And it was an hour each way. 
Okay. So, mm-hmm. I, so I showed them resiliency. Right. Um, I got up, I did the work, I did the thing. I didn't have time to play around. I got home at six with bath time. It was food time. It was all the stuff. Yeah. And, I, you know, frozen food, of course, because I had no idea what the hell I was doing. You got to do. Yeah. And so there was a series of events that continued to happen after that. Okay. And it happened for approximately four months. So I got the job. I lost the job. Not, not anything that I necessarily did. Um, he basically removed all of his staff, removed all of his staff. Okay. So by Thanksgiving, I no longer had a job or November 15th to be exact. I no longer had a job. Mm-hmm. I did not pay my November rent because I had a suspicion something was wrong. So I just waited a second. Okay. I find out the next week that I've lost my job and the girls are still there and I have to do something. Mm-hmm. At the time, there was a lot of different things going on. One, for example, was I had to pay my ex-wife to babysit my kids for me during the week. It must have been difficult for you. Yeah, and those were the exact words. Okay, so that's that's no fluff. That's really what happened. So I went ahead and tried to get back into real estate very quickly, found some partners down in Cincinnati, found a deal, sell the deals, was a wholesaler in real estate very quickly. And a story is really, really dark for the month of December. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I couldn't pay my rent the first week of December. I had a relationship with the property owner, and it was a huge apartment complex. And I told them that I promised I would pay. Just please be patient with me. And they didn't make me pay. So I owe November, I owe December. I asked my partner, this is the first of December, I asked my partner, can I borrow enough money to pay my rent? And he says, well, sell this house and you can. And I said, all right, all right. So we found this house down in Kentucky and it was listed on MLS for 215. We negotiated down to 185 and I sold that thing in 24 hours for the same thing they had it listed on MLS for. That's unbelievable. There's your resolve and your resilience there, man. So to make matters worse, the guy, my partner was like, you didn't sell. I need a document signed. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, all right, all right. And he said, I'm not giving you enough to pay your rent. You need to take care of your kids. You need to eat all that stuff. So you're going to have to work that out between your apartment complex and you. So I'm going to give you just enough to buy groceries and do the thing you need to do. And I'm like, all right, fine. So I got it all done. And uh, my parents had to buy Christmas. It was really bad. And because it just had to keep holding on and waiting and so January 5th rolls around. We close on the deal. I make plenty of money. I pay off all three of my months of rent. And my credit card or my debit card has never not worked again. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable resolve. And how did, how did that turn things around for you? How, how did that make you feel internally about yourself? Well, I learned very quickly what I'm capable of, but what I actually learned was I cannot do this by myself. So I profess my faith. I got right with the Lord. I learned that I wasn't, I didn't need to do all this by myself. 
but I knew it was going to be an uphill battle. So I needed a, a really solid friend and my relationship with him has never been as low of a point as it was back then. It's only always gotten better. It's hard to ask for help. Uh, we men don't often do it. Um, why do you think you didn't ask for help when you were younger? To be honest, man, I, you know, the way I was raised, I, I grew up in, it was not middle class. It was whatever, like the next class down. I'm sorry. Uh, my parents were like impoverished. Like they just made just enough money to right. pay bills and stuff. And so I helped my parents financially. So I had a, I had a job in a factory when I was 14. I had a paper out when I was nine. I worked in the factory full time in the summer. And then I worked on the weekends doing stuff that was completely illegal by OSHA regulations, mm -hmm. but they let me do it. And so I always helped my parents. I didn't get a lot And my, don't I mean, my parents helped me. So don't, don't get me wrong, of but no, of course, but like my dad messed up my FAFSA. So I had to pay for college in full or, you know, to, I had to pay for college without, with a loan and stuff. And I didn't get the help I needed and all that stuff. So I just, I just was used to like, I like to say breaking the rock mm -hmm. is one of these things that really stick with me. Yeah. And I'm one that, that has a tendency to break the rock like Moses did. Right. Yeah, so, absolutely. And uh, then he was sent out into the, anyway, the point is, is that I didn't wait patiently. I had a problem with patience and youthfulness and immaturity. And why would I ask for help from anybody? And it was a long time before I actually got help or asked for help after that moment in my life that defined me. It was just between me and him. I'll tell you, you have a solid foundation of work ethic, obviously, and and and, and now the strong faith. And uh, you're going to no, go nowhere but up, my friend. Um, so, if you were to uh, have some advice for the younger Clay, knowing yeah. what you know now, what kind of advice would you give him about life? trust in the process you know it's above you quit trying to be the one that does it all quit trying to be the one that always makes it happen you know really trust in the process because i always pulled the trigger too fast right that was always my case so like whatever i had was never enough right. and so had i trusted in the process and been more disciplined with right. the opportunities mm -hmm. And been more grateful for what I actually had. Um, That's great advice. Maybe ready, basically ready, aim, fire, not ready, fire. <laughs> so, so I want to get into uh, your your business. So, let's the first thing. What kind of business advice would you give young Clay? Business advice. Then we'll talk about H seven and how you're blowing up life right now. Yeah. So. Um, uh, Think about it more before you do it mm -hmm. uh, would probably be the advice that I would give. Like, think about all of the potential outcomes, because back then I had a really bad habit of not thinking through all the way. Okay. What could happen by doing this? What could happen by doing that? Okay. So just take more time to reflect on your choices, where you made mistakes, fix those kinds of things. Because back then, I mean, some people might say, like my motor is ridiculous. So it just goes and goes and goes. Right. Except now I'm a Harley Davidson. Okay. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. I would advise the uh, person riding the dirt bike with no brakes on it mm-hmm. and half broke down most of the time to concentrate on having, being able to drive a Harley, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just to make it fun. But yes, I mean, that's kind of like, I just, I just kept going, but I didn't really think about all the consequences and all of my actions and what would cause it. And it was when I became that single parent, that defining moment, right? not be that same person anymore. I did not have a choice. Absolutely. And I, I believe that if you hadn't gone through everything you've gone through, you wouldn't be as successful as you are right now. Would you say that? hundred percent. Yeah. Well, tell us a little about age seven when you started in 2008 and, and where you are now. Give us a little quick uh, glimpse of that. Yeah. So when I started it so long ago, like why I started it and why I still do it is two different things. Just totally two different things. Okay. I mean, we're going to really celebrate 15 years. You really it really shouldn't be the same reasons, right? At this point, I'm learning. It should not right. be the same reason. Right. So when I started it back then, I had been in a networking group previous and I was very successful at it, okay? Just remember my credit, my debit card always worked at this point in my life, right? <laughs> right, right. So, so when I went out to network, the options were pretty limited. Um, you know, there was chambers and this is my own chambers in my own backyard and there was BNI, okay? And for me, BNI um, just was too rigid. Um, no offense. It's right, just, I, I just couldn't take that. I needed levels of flexibility and moving and mobility and being able to meet people and things. And then in the chambers, I did not feel like I belonged. Hmm. I felt like an outcast because I didn't have, you know, the insurance business downtown right. in the community, you know, and all the parades and the floats and all the stuff. Right. I just didn't have all that. I had, I was in real estate and I was a flipper and I was a general contractor and all the stuff at that time. And I just felt deeply alone. Hmm. Like, how am I going to, this is right after my mom passed. And so this, you're talking about four or five months after my mom passed that I started age seven at the time where I was at single parent. I was also not taking care of my dad. Um, and no mom. No brothers, no siblings. I'm the only child. I needed to like figure this all out. Right. And so I thought the most natural course was I literally said, I want to start my own group. <laughs> and so <laughs> and so I did. Right, and yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. So that's why I started it. Yeah. Um, which is not as great as why I still do it. Mm-hmm. So when I got married in 2014. Now I have a family of seven. Wow. My wife has three biological children. So now I got three bonus children plus my two biological children. And I needed to do something more. Right. Like thinking about. Probably a different more from the more you were doing when you were younger, right? A different more. Yeah. So I didn't have the same pressure because I had been through that pressure before. I was. That was nothing. This was nothing. But I had to re like realign myself in the directions I was going to go. And my wife challenged me. She said, this is how it went down. It's July 14. And I'm like going to these crossroads. Do I expand age seven? Do I do another job? Do I get another gig? Right. And pray about it. And he says, advance, you know, keep keep going, right? More or less. 
So I go and I'm talking to my wife and I'm like, I don't know what I should do. Like, how do I make this work? And she's like, do you ever meet with the visitors when they visit? And I said, sure. When they ask. Right. So, I mean, at that point we were only in Cincinnati and some of Dayton. And so it was very manageable and we grew by 20 members a month. So I didn't think anything of it. Like I thought, well, this is great. You know? So she asked me this question and I'm like, well, no, she's like, well, why don't you? And I said, I don't know, but I'm going to start now. That's great. So that was the moment in time where I became extremely intentional because now I wanted to understand what I didn't know. Now I'm going on this new journey, Mm -hmm. this new journey of of my new purpose in life Mm -hmm. became to lift people up, to unite them. Mm -hmm. And the newest point is take no credit. Like that, like that. So back then it was just lift people up. So I'm like, I'm just going to have a great one-to-one. I'm going to try to help them in some way and I'm going to do it. And so four years later to that month, I had completed 3,000 one-to-ones, 3,000 one-hour one-to-ones mm-hmm. plus drive time. Okay. It changed everything. Yeah. It changed everything about the direction, the purpose, the influence, everything. I looked back in that four years and we had expanded from um, just Cincinnati Dayton to Columbus, Indianapolis, Charlotte, North Carolina, Georgia, uh, Virginia, Maryland, Texas, all out of this one singular meeting and by word of mouth. So that began this new process of understanding and reflecting on like, what are the talents that I have? What are the things that I've learned? What are the tech? So that's when connect, serve and ask was born. Okay. And so that set me on this new journey. And then of course, COVID happened and stuff, but Right. But that, so why I still do it today mm-hmm. is because H7 is a vehicle for me to live out my purpose. I love that. And you, you said the word intentional. And yeah. I think that, that is, that's crucial. I mean, 95% of our brain activity is unconscious. There's only 5% of our brain activity is conscious. And uh, many of we men are not, uh, you know, really don't focus on why we're doing what we're doing. And that intentional piece, Clay, is, is phenomenal. Um, so I'll, I could talk to you all day, my friend. How how can people find you, find H7? Uh, tell us a little about how to reach you and what else you have coming up that the audience might want, might be interested in. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so you can find us at h7network.com. Mm-hmm. Um, we have virtual meetings for the B2B professional. Um, we're opening up in other metro areas where there will also be some level of in-person things going on. Mm-hmm. Um, go to a7network.com find a meeting is the tab you can find that I highly recommend you stay on that homepage and you click on um, receive an invitation to join us to visit us Okay. Uh, because what's new is called the championship that we developed okay tell us about that the championship is where um, we so we're we're invitation only mm-hmm. okay Right. And so this whole time, 14 years, this invitation has been coming out of my mouth or somebody on the staff. Okay. Now we're going to empower the members to invite the people that they would like to have come into the organization. Okay. And so the championship is where we all at the same time in unison 
start to become champions in the world, all the members at the same time. And so we'll be making that announcement at the Christmas parties. It'll be on the website, all this stuff to make the entire organization insulated from visitors just popping in okay. because they found us on meetup.com or something. Got it. Yep. Heard that a lot in other areas. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so the championship is coming out in a week. Congratulations. And we'll be pulling for you. Uh, on your website, I also see a tab that says podcast. Can you tell me about that? So, yeah, over the summer, we started a podcast. Uh, we are on a break right now as we realign things and then we'll be bringing it back out. But it's on intentional, um, being intentional in business and in your networking. Because my my intentionality is a little bit freakish. Like, yeah. that's that's kind of an understatement. Well, if you can teach us a little down the road, I know January 5th, you're going to be speaking to the, our men supporting men collaboration tribe on intentional, being intentional. And uh, we yeah. could all learn to, to be a little better at being intentional. So Clay, I want to thank you for coming, man. Um, and I am so grateful that, that I've met you and that we're friends and uh, we're going to move forward and then help change the world. So thanks again for coming on, my friend. And I'm always there to support you. My pleasure, man. I like the beer, by the way. Thank you. Well, you know what? You're my mentor now. So I, <laughs> not, quite, my beer, not quite hanging off the chin yet. So. <laughs> All right, my friend, you take care. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, please subscribe and give us a review to help others find it. If you find yourself immersed in adversity and would like to find support from other men in times of struggle, please become a member of my Men Supporting Men Collaboration Tribe by emailing me at drew at profitcompassion.com, expressing your interest, and I'll get in touch with you. Speak to you soon.